Good morning, good morning, good morning. I'm Erica Allen. I'm one of the pastors here at Horizon, and it's so good to see you all this morning. I'm glad the pirates did not take some of you back to sea or wherever it is they went back to today. Um, we have been studying the book of Daniel the last couple of, of uh, weeks, and we've been talking about how to stand. How do we stand up in a world that's shaky? And I just want to ask you a question. You, there is somewhere in your life where you want to stand strong. Right now, I want you to think about it. Where is somewhere in your life that you want to stand up and stand strong and you don't quite have the strength to do so? What place in your life do you want to stand strong and right now you don't quite have the strength to do so? I want to offer just a little suggestion for you that I think some of us can't stand strong right now because we've lost hope, because we're living in despair, because we can no longer expect or anticipate that good things will happen and instead we plan for every kind of plan B we can think of because we've lost hope and despair and it's not helping us to stand strong in a world that needs you to stand strong. We've talked for a few weeks about a man named Daniel he, he lived thousands of years ago. He, he was born and raised in a, in a town, in a place, in a nation called Israel. They were the people of God. Literally, their history was that they were freed from the Egyptian and, Egyptians and carried to a place that was rich with milk and honey. It had pomegranates and cucumbers and olives and all the good things you could ever imagine. They lived in slavery and oppression, and they were literally delivered to a place called the Promised Land. And in that place, they enjoyed all these good things. They tried to build a kingdom of God, but sometimes our humanness gets in the way, right? We think we know what's best. And they made decisions that made them vulnerable to attack. And another country, another nation called Babylon came in, and they literally kidnapped these people. They tore down the temples that they had built to worship the God who delivered them to the promised land. They stole the things that helped them to worship Him and know Him deeper and better. They took their food. They made them learn a different language. They stole their stories. They took their past, and they stole all hope of the future. Anybody feel like that anytime recently? And they took them back to Babylon, and there were some men, some young teenage boys, that this king in Babylon, his name was Nebuchadnezzar, and when I said, when I, yes, boo, he's terrible, a terrible, awful guy. He takes these young, awesome guys, these young, awesome teenagers, and he, he, he strips their language from them, he strips their stories from them, and he says, I'm going I'm to train you in the way of Babylon. But these guys, led by a man named Daniel, they said, no, you're not stealing our identity. We are children of God, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to read the Bible, and I'm going to worship God, and I'm going to eat the food God tells me to do. I'm going to live differently. I'll do what you tell me to. I'll do what you tell me to to an extent, but I'm going to stand up. I'm going to stand up for what's right because if I give in to your ways, I'm going to be a greedy, awful guy that people boo in the back of a restaurant in 2,000 years. And I I want a different story for my life, right? That's what Daniel said. And so he stood up. And we learned last week, right? We learned actually two weeks ago that some of his best friends stood up to this king. And what happened to him? They got thrown into a fiery furnace. Got thrown into a fiery furnace. 
Spoiler alert, they walk out of the fiery furnace just fine because their God rescued them. We learn that God, we, stand, we can stand because our God will rescue us from whatever fire we feel like we're facing. You can stand because our God will rescue you. Last week, we learned that you can fall on your knees and pray and worship this God because that's what Daniel did three times a day. And what did the king, what did the king do? Tried to throw him in the lion's den for not worshiping the king good enough, right? You don't give me enough authority and power and worship and praise. So into the lion's den you go. And what do we learn about God again? He rescues us when we face things that threaten to crush us. When lions threaten to literally crush us, God still rescues us. You can stand because you serve a God who wants to and will promise to rescue you. What I didn't tell you all last week about Daniel was he was 80 years old when they threw him in the lion's den. 80 years old. 80 years old. That's old. Sorry if y'all are, some of y'all are getting close to that. <laughs> I'm not throwing you in the lion's den. Y'all got to take that up with King Nebuchadnezzar. Boo. Right? Uh, 80 years old. And, and then the, the chapters between him getting thrown in the lion's den and what I'm about to read to you today, you hear Daniel longing, praying, pleading with God. I've lived in Babylon, God. I've worshipped you for eight decades. I'm 90 years old. I'm frail. I'm tired. I'm give out. I'm exhausted. And I just want to retire to Jerusalem, God. Can you please just rebuild the kingdom and build me a little house where I can watch the sunrise over the Jordan River and drink my coffee and enjoy retirement? God, can you please do that for me? Please. This 90-year-old man who's worshipped God who's stood up and done everything he's supposed to, is begging God, please, God, please. I'm going to bet, I'm going to bet there are people in this room who for months, for years, some of you for decades, have prayed for God to move and you feel like he's being silent. Rebuild this temple, God. Make something just a little easier in my life. Anybody felt that way? Before, there's been some moments in my life this week where I felt like that. And then I want you all to hear what happens. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel. Daniel, who's been praying fervently for Jerusalem to be freed and rescued. A message was given, a, a revelation was given to him. He was called Belthazar. Remember, the king changed his name. Its message was true, and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. Basically, this is saying that God told Daniel, your, your hopes and dreams aren't going to come true like you wanted them to. He continued to get these visions of war and stuff in the, in the land. And at that time, I, Daniel, I was give out and I was grieved and I mourned for three weeks. For 21 days, I ate no choice food. I didn't eat meat. No wine touched my lip. And I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. I went back and looked that up, and it really meant he probably didn't take a bath or anything for three weeks. He just was absolutely in mourning. He was absolutely heartbroken. Have you ever been like that? Standing before God, absolutely heartbroken. I want to tell you today that I wouldn't talk about this. I wouldn't stand up here if I didn't believe in a God of hope and rescue 
But I want you to know if you're feeling desperate this morning, you're not alone. For thousands of years, there have been moments where the people of God absolutely have been overcome by the brokenness and pain in our world and in our lives. And they stand before God mourning, sad, upset, and exhausted. I want you to know you're not alone this morning. That's how you sit here. And then I want you to hear this. On the 24th day of the first month, uh, as I was standing on the bank of the great river of Tigris, so not the Jordan, not the river that they promised, but he was standing in front of the Tigris River. I want you to listen to what it says. I looked up. Daniel's mourned and prayed for three days. He's in a bad spot. He looks up, and there before him was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Upaz around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. He's felt like God has been silent and absent for, for weeks, for weeks. And he goes to the edge of the river and he sees this man standing there with this bright light, this just glory and goodness. And when he spoke, it felt the voice was powerful, like there were multitudes. I, Daniel, Daniel says, I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. Those who were with me did not see it, but such a terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone, grazing, at, gazing, not grazing. He's not a cow. Sorry about that. I was left alone, gazing at this great vision. I need to tell you something. I don't have a three-point sermon today. I just have the story of Daniel and my own story to tell you about a God who rescues and makes, makes you new and gives you hope when you don't think anything else could happen. After three weeks of mourning and being sad, he stands in front of the Tigris River and he sees this vision of, of a man standing there with all this glory and light around him, but he's all by himself. There is going to be some moment in the despair and darkness of your hopelessness where you see something that no one else can see. It might happen in worship. Clarissa or Crystalline are going to hit some note or sing some word, and you're going to tap the person beside you and you're going to be like, that line was for me. And they're gonna, the person behind you is going to be like, girl, I don't feel nothing. What's, what are you talking about, right? There's going to be some moment where God speaks just to you. There's going to be some sign, some, some vision, something that speaks and resonates deeply with you and only you, and no one else is going to understand it. And I don't want you to be discouraged by that. Because sometimes in those moments when nobody around us, around us understands what it is God is doing in and through our lives, we get discouraged. But I need you to hear this. You are so intimately loved by God that there are billions of people, billions of people on this planet, and there are moments that God loves you and sees you in your darkness and pain and despair, and He comes to show you how much you are loved. He gives you a message or a vision that no one else can see. Don't be discouraged when other people don't understand what it is God is doing in and through your life. Be encouraged because know that you are precious and worthy to a God who thinks you and all the other billions of people in this world are worthy of an encounter with Him and Him alone. You are that intimately loved by the Creator of the world, the maker of the universe. 
I had no strength left, Daniel says. I had no strength left when I saw this. My face turned deathly pale and I was helpless, he says. And then I heard him speaking. And as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. I heard him speaking, and as I listened to him, I fell in a deep sleep, my face to the ground. In college, I was a senior in college, and I'd spent three and a half years of my life running as far away from God as I possibly could. I thought the church... And those people who followed Jesus were full of a bunch of hateful people who didn't like women, who didn't like gay people, and who couldn't make a bit of difference in the community even if they tried. And I spent three and a half years running as hard as I could from those Christian people on campus. I'm being really honest with you. And one day I woke up. My mama played the piano at the Southern Baptist Church I grew up in. And every Sunday morning she'd give me a call. Erica, are you headed to church? No, mother, please don't call me at 830. I've got better things to do on a Sunday morning in college than talk to you about, give you another excuse for why I'm not going to church. And so one Sunday morning, y'all, there was this church literally across the street from my apartment, this old white wooden church across the street from my apartment, and my life was in shambles. My friendships were terrible. I was in this awful relationship. Chris isn't here, so I can tell you all about it. I was in, it wasn't with him. I was in this awful relationship with this guy who was literally terrible, and we were on again, off again. It made no sense. I had no idea what I was doing with the future of my life. I literally was just a total mess. And I looked around our world, and I was student teaching at the time, and every kid that I had in my class, their parents were addicted to drugs or in prison, and my heart was broken for the state of my life and for the state of the world, and I had no idea what to do next. And so I decided maybe my mama knew what was best. So she called me one morning, and I said, I'm headed across the street to church, mama, okay? I'm headed across the street, and all she did was say, thank you, Jesus, and she hung up the phone on me. And I got in my car and drove across the street because I wasn't walking. I needed an escape vehicle, right? I was not going to have to stand and wait for cars in case I need to get out of there really quick. So I drove across the street, and I remember sitting in the parking lot in my car, face red, sweaty, palms shaking, like just absolutely trembling. I did not want to get out of the car and walk into that street, into that church. And I, I remember thinking, I could just go home. I could just drive back home. I could just drive back home. But I realized I was going to have to call my mama, and I had a couple choices, right? I could tell her, sorry, Mom, I, I, I wound up not making it to church. I didn't get to go to church. Or I could just, you know, not tell her, that, nope, that wasn't an option. <laughs> not telling my redheaded mama the truth was not the option. And so I, I literally just got out of the car, and I walked up to the front steps of that church. And before I even got to the steps of this old white wooden church, this woman with the brightest blue eyes I've ever seen and the whitest hair I've ever seen, before I even got to the steps, she came right to me, zeroed right into me, and she said, hi there, I'm so glad you're here this morning. I'm still like shaking and trembling. She held my hand. She said, do you have anybody to sit with this morning? And I said, um, she was like, now you do. And so <laughs> she, she had my accent, I love it. She took my hand, she had like papers in her other hand. She handed it to a woman. She gave her the look like, and she walked right in with me, and we sat down in church that morning. I didn't even have to sit by myself. We had some small talk before the service started, and then when the service started, we sang some songs. We, you know, did some things, and, and this man, this man who was about as old as the woman sitting beside me, he stands up, 
in front of the whole church and he wanted to celebrate a ministry that their church had just participated in the day before. He had a stronger southern accent than I do. I'm not kidding, y'all. He, and he stood up and he talked about this one day with God where for six weeks the church pays these counselors to come in and meet with kids separately from their dads who are incarcerated in and out of the local jail. And the counselors meet with both of them separately and then they bring them together for one, di- one day where the dads and the kids can reconcile if the, if the space and the things are, are ready because they know that if these dads start showing up to be a dad, they'll stop coming in and out of the jail. So he's like telling this story and he's telling how much it means to him. And he's telling these stories about these, these kids and these dads being reunited. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a, a church that, that sees those kids that are in my classroom and they care about them, right? They see these dads who are hurting and they care about them. This church is making a difference. And y'all, I'm not kidding. The woman sitting beside me leaned over to me and she whispered, he's not always been like that. He's my husband and he retired a few years ago and the pastor had a vision to start this program and he knew his only way to get it into the pro- into that was my husband who didn't come to church at the time. And he started coming to church and now he leads this program. And she grabbed my hand and she said, I prayed for him for 45 years, Erica. And I sat there knowing my mama had prayed for me for three and a half years. Because I prayed for some of those kids in my classroom that were getting helped for months. And I literally was just absolutely overcome by the glory of God. And I wish I could tell y'all that's where the worship service ended that day. And I walked home and I've never turned my back on church again. But God wasn't finished yet. I grew up in a church that said women can't preach. They can't lead. They can't lead in ministry. And I kid y'all not, I'm sitting there in that pew and a black woman who was 60 years old stood up in the pulpit and preached the best sermon I've ever heard. I've never heard a woman preach before that. And I walked out the back door of that church. I left my car in the parking lot and I went straight to my apartment and I went in the living room and I fell down on my face just like Daniel did with my face down on the carpet. And I said, God, your glory and goodness is so good because I caught a glimpse, a vision of a God who intimately and closely speaks to you, speaks to us, speaks to me and is healing and redeeming and making the world new, even if it didn't look like I thought it would. I know what it's like, like Daniel, to be absolutely overcome by your shame and brokenness and the glory of God that all you can do is fall face first on the carpet or the floor of wherever you are. I remember this moment. I remember this moment in my life. I'm like, Daniel, I'm reading this this week. I'm like, Daniel, I feel you, man. I want you to listen. I want you to listen. Because God doesn't leave us face down on the ground. Okay, listen to what, he, what happens. A hand touched me, Daniel says. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you who are precious, consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you. And listen to what he says. And stand up, for I have been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. There is something that you are facing right now in your life. Everybody in here, we are. And there's something that has us absolutely down on the ground. You are precious to God and it's time you stand up. And it's okay if you're trembling. Daniel did amazing and miraculous things for God. And he still trembled 
before him. It's okay to be trembling. I, I just need you to hear that. It's okay if you're trembling. Let's keep going. And then he continued. Listen, somebody needs to hear this, this morning. He says, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you sat and began praying and began to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. Somebody here has been praying for something for months, for years. My mama prayed for me for years. Daniel prayed for the people of Jerusalem for decades. We've been praying for a bowling alley. It feels like a century, right? Can I get an amen? But listen, the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me for 21 days. I was at work on your behalf. And there were things in the world that were blocking me from coming. Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. God is still at work. You feel like God's silent? And God, God had built that church across the, across the street from my apartment decades before. Decades before I found myself needing it. God has built a bowling alley and we're going to get there at some point and somebody's going to have these exact same experience. We've been here in the back of rights in a restaurant for I don't know how long. I've lost all count because God is doing something in this place. And there are moments where we get so caught up on needing things to be the way we want, holding on to our expectations and our dreams that we miss the glory of the God who loves you and thinks you're worthy right where we are. Right where we are. I know some of you feel like God is silent in your life. Did you hear this? For 21 days he was fasting and mourning and desperate and hopeless. And God was at work on his behalf anyway. There is something that you're praying for that God is at work on your behalf. And listen, y'all. God didn't magically come and show up in Daniel's life and take the people of Israel back to, to Israel. He didn't magically save them from Babylon and rebuild Jerusalem yet. But his glory and goodness was still more powerful than the pain and the darkness he found himself in. And there may be pain and darkness in your life. The glory and goodness of God is greater than it. I've stood in it. And I wouldn't stand up here this morning if I didn't believe in it. And I wouldn't ask you if I didn't know how good it was. There are story after story after story in this thing. This isn't some cute story we read 2,000 years ago. This is about a God who for years, decades, centuries, millennia, has been rescuing the people of God from the brokenness and pain of our world. Working when we do not see it. Do you hear me? Working when we do not see it. And standing us up as the people of God to be a part of redeeming and redoing redeeming and renewing this world and making it new. You, you stand up and do this work. I want, I want you to read this final verse. Daniel says, How can I, your servant, talk with you, my Lord? My strength is gone and I can hardly breathe. I don't have much of a voice this morning either, Daniel. I feel you. And the one who looked like a man touched me again and he gave me strength. Do not be afraid. You who are precious, be strong now. Be strong. And when he spoke to me, I was strengthened, and this was my prayer. Speak, my Lord, since you have given me strength. I, I told you guys I don't, I don't really have a three-point sermon this morning. I just have my story and Daniel's story because this is who I believe God to be. 
And this is what I want to tell you. If somebody this morning feels absolutely just, just down and out and desperate and hopeless, I want to pray with you because God's ready. God's ready for you to stand up. Stand up in strength to do what is right. There's a world desperate for it. There's somebody, there's somebody who's been praying for 21 days for you to stand up into the purpose God has for you. God's going to use you to answer somebody else's prayer. And, and, and the prayers you pray may not be answered the way you thought, but it's going to be greater than we ever imagined. Paul, thousands of years later, is sitting in a prison, and he, he writes to the people in Ephesus. He's like, the things you do are, be, are more than I could dream or imagine or hope for, God. That's how our God works. So I'm asking you this morning to stand up. Just stand up into the strength of God. And I, I, I'm asking you this week to pray with me. Can you go back to that last slide? Um, just this last sentence that Daniel prayed. Speak to me, Lord, in your strength. Speak, my Lord, since you have given me strength. Take a picture of it if you need to. Let this be your prayer this week. Speak, my Lord, since you have given me strength. Will y'all, will y'all pray with me as the band comes up this morning? God, we thank you. We thank you for the story of Daniel. That thousands of years ago when all hope was lost, you gave one man the strength to keep standing up and showing up. That you reminded him how precious and worthy he was. Thank you for doing that work thousands of years ago because somebody in this room has been praying for the strength to stand up and that story has given them the strength for that. Thank you, God, for meeting me in the lowest and hardest and most broken moments of my life and giving me strength to stand. Thank you for doing that in the lives of so many of the people sitting out here, for finding them at their lowest rock bottom and giving them strength, God. And thank you for using them to help answer the prayers of others, that people may find recovery and sobriety healing and purpose they may grow and change that they may experience your light and your change and this morning God we sit before you we sit before you God many of us in need of your light and change and we pray you'll just you'll just shine your light in our lives that you'll begin to ignite your change in our lives and that you will make the promise that you have spoken over your church true. It will be used as a vessel for hope and goodness and restoration in the world. Not because we have the, the best building in town, but because we have people who've been given your strength to stand up in a shaky and broken world. I pray, God, for courage for those who, who can't yet stand. Strength for the one who needs to, God. And we thank you for your goodness and your glory and your truth that washes over us. Amen. Each week at Horizon Church, we celebrate communion. It's a moment where we remember the work of God. In the night before Jesus gave himself up for us, he gave thanks to God. He gathered in, his, in an upper room with his closest friends and followers. And he gave thanks to God that in that room, before he gave himself up for us, there was bread. Prepared long before he was there. It answered some prayer that they had prayed before they got in that room. There was bread. And he gave thanks to God that there was bread at the table. And then he broke the bread. 
and he shared it with his closest friends and followers and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And there are going to be moments in the days and months and years ahead where you are going to need me to strengthen and sustain you. This, this is my body given for you. And when the supper was over, he took a glass of wine. We're going to have juice this morning. And he gave thanks to God that their prayers were answered long before they gathered in that room and there was wine at the table for him. And he gave thanks to God for it and he shared it with his closest friends and followers and he said, this is my blood of the new covenant. There's a new promise and a new way of doing things now. You are freed from the shame and pain that cripple you and cause you not to stand. You are freed. Stand up, people. Stand up. This is my blood given for you. Given for you. And then when the supper was over, they're all sitting around, and he told them the most important thing you can do is not hold on to this message for, for yourself, but to live it out in the way that you, you act and you speak and you live. Share this story with others.